0: All right, City Point, good morning. It is good to be able to be with you guys. I'm excited about being able to jump into the word. Um, we are continuing our NAH series, God's Son, where we are looking at the life, profile, work, miracles, mission of Jesus Christ Uh, I want to shout out again, my homie Terrence Gadsden for being with us last Sunday to Pinch Hit for me, Um, did a fantastic job with Kingdom State of Mind. And so today we are continuing the series with It Is Written, It Is Written. Um, I want to look at Luke chapter four today, Luke chapter four. And um, yeah, let's jump into, uh, let's jump into Luke chapter four. Uh, Here we go. It says, uh, starting at verse 1, it says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, or people shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory. For it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be, it will all be yours." And Jesus answered him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an, op- an opportune time. Once again, for this sermon, I want to tag this, it is written, it is written. will not you bow with me in a word of prayer? Lord, thank you for giving me this chance to, uh, to preach to your people today. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will speak through me to them in a way that is powerful, that is palatable, that is real and relevant. Help us to all leave this time and space better than we were when we came into it. I pray that you will just allow me to be a part of what you are doing here in the lives of these people, all who would stream, all who would hear. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Once again, we're talking about it is written. Fake news is a phenomenon in American journalism where intentionally false claims are repeated and spread as if they are facts. Uh, Fake news thrives on communication bubbles. Uh, Communication bubbles are bubbles where people hear the same false claims and they hear them over and over and over again. Uh, So much so, That when they actually hear the truth, the truth sounds like an absurd deviation from the lie that they have embraced because they have heard the lie so many times. Uh, Fox News is one of the chief spreaders of fake news. They have most recently come under fire for spreading lies about the 2022 election results. It was Fox News, it was Newsmax, and it was other networks were effectively whipping their viewers into a frenzy, uh, telling them that the the 2020 election was stolen and that voting machines were rigged and people who were doing the hand counting were stealing votes. Uh, This is one of the factors that led to the insurrection a few months later at the Capitol, uh, where there were these violent mobs of people screaming, stop the steal, hang Mike Pence. They were storming the building and they were committing violence against the police. Yes, fake news is a phenomenon that has dire consequences. Uh, But not only as it relates to national national politics does it have dire consequences. Let me say to you that fake news has significant consequences when it comes to our personal and our spiritual lives. For it is in our personal and our spiritual lives that we are bombarded with false information about who we are and who we are not. It is in our personal and our spiritual lives where we are bombarded with false information about how God feels about us and what things are actually important in life. We receive false information in the form of Satan attacking our minds with his lies and preying on our insecurities. We receive false information in the form of Satan tempting us to believe that who we are and what we have Is not enough. Yes, tempting us to believe that we are not somehow man enough. Uh, Tempting us to believe that we are somehow not woman enough, tempting us to believe that we need more bag, that we need more exposure, that we need more power, that we need more credentials, that we need more notoriety, that we need more successes, that we need more things or an upgraded this or that in order to be successful or even to be secure. Lies. The fake news of the enemy. Uh, Some of us this very weak, dealt with the fake news that popped into our head from the moment that we woke up hearing the lies of the enemy. Uh, These lies were tempting our pride. These lies were tempting our ego. These lies were tempting everything that was within us to cause us to believe ill about ourselves. Uh, These are the lies of Satan. These are the tricks of Satan. These are the temptations of Satan. And if we were to be truthful, we hear it so much that it has become hard to discern the fact from the fiction. And so how do you combat the fake news of Satan? Uh, How do you work against the lies in your mind, the lies that are attacking your thoughts day to day? I want to suggest to you this morning that you do it the same way that you combat fake political news. Yes, you have to step into the echo chamber of truth. Yeah, you've got to get in front of news from a different source. You've got to get in front of some information from a source of truth, a source of insight, a source that has integrity, a source that has moral authority and credibility. Can I tell you that if you want to combat the fake news of the mind, those temptations of Satan, you've got to get into the word of God. You've got to get into the word of God. Uh, such was the case with Jesus. We find Jesus here in Luke chapter 4. It is very early on in his ministry. Here in Luke chapter 4, Luke picks up the story that the gospel of Matthew and the gospel of Mark also pick up of Jesus in the wilderness. The Bible says that he was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit and not just led there coincidentally, but he is led there with the express purpose of being tempted. He is in that wilderness and he is there for 40 days and for 40 nights. He, he is there and he is fasting. Uh, this period of 40 perhaps harkens back to something that we see in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, remember that it was Moses who fasted on Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights. It is there that Moses has this encounter with God, and the word says that Moses sees God face to face. Moses has this 40-day encounter. Uh, Not only that, but Moses has another 40 encounter. He has an encounter of 40 years in the wilderness after he killed the Egyptian. Uh, The Israelites spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness rather than entering into the promised land because of their disbelief. Not only that, but it was Elijah that the word says uh, fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And so literarily there appears to be something either significant in tradition or in terms of literature about this period of 40. And so the writer says that for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus is in that wilderness and he is being tempted. Perhaps what the writer is trying to do is to draw some kind of connection between Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. Moses, the priest who would see God. Jesus, the priest who was God. Uh, Elijah, the prophet who defeated the prophets of Baal. Uh, Jesus is the prophet who would defeat death, hell, and the grave. Uh, Moses, the one who, remember, lifted up that snake in the desert when the people had gotten bitten. And, 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 And Moses said that all of you who will just look will live. Jesus, the one who said to all those who were bitten by that poison of sin, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all people unto me. Jesus, the one who said, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up from the earth. Elijah, the one who was taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. Jesus, the one who was taken up to heaven through ascension. It seems that the writer is drawing connections between Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. And so the writer says that Jesus, just like Moses and Elijah, was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And while in the midst of this experience, he was tempted or tested in this situation. He is in the midst of a spiritual experience, but he is still tempted. Can I just stop there parenthetically for a moment? Just parenthetically for a moment and say to you that I don't care how spiritual you are, I don't care how close to God you might get. I don't care how many spiritual disciplines you practice. That does not exempt you from experiencing the temptation and testing that can be brought on by Satan. Yes, Jesus, in the middle of this spiritual moment, in, this, in the middle of this moment of deep connection, intentional connection with God and his spirituality, Jesus in the midst of that gets tested. He gets tempted. And the temptation comes from three directions. Uh, These three directions I want to talk about as I raise this case today regarding how you ought to be leveraging the word to work against these temptations of the mind. Three ways that he gets tempted. Three directions. It is pride, it is power, and it is preservation. Let's first of all talk about pride. Notice that Satan prefaces his questions in verses 3 and 9 with a particular set of words. He says, if you are the son of God. He says, if you are the son of God, then command these these stones to be turned into bread. Uh, Later on, he says, if you are the son of God, then jump off of this temple because the word says that God will cause his angels to take you up and will not allow your feet to strike a stone. I want you to let that sit for one moment. Satan says, if you are the son of God, do these things. I I want you to then go back with me a few verses earlier. Now, now, I need you to think about something, understand something. Like when we're reading the Bible, chapters are later inclusions, later advents. These are not divisions that have always been in the Word. Um, the original manuscripts just would have had entire stories, entire narratives without these um, breaks that have later been put in to make them more palatable for the reader. So, So in a very real sense, we're talking about Luke chapter 4 verses 3 and verses 9 where Satan in this story is said to have said if you are the son of God do these things but actually if we jump back to chapter 3 at the end of chapter 3 what we're really doing is just backing up a few verses in the story so backing up a few verses in the story right the end of Luke chapter 3 notice that the narrator two times establishes that Jesus is the Son of God. Think back to, go back to Luke chapter 3, verse 22. Jesus is there getting baptized. Uh, and during that baptism, God jumps on the PA system of heaven and says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Follow him. And then a few verses later, when the narrator is 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 running down the genealogy of Jesus. He runs down all of Jesus' ancestors, but he does not stop until he says also he was the Son of God. And so two times, just a few verses earlier, it has been established that Jesus is the Son of God. Now Satan jumps up in the story saying, If you are really the son of God, here are the things that I need you to do to prove it. Yes, effectively, Satan is tempting him to prove that he is who God already says that he is. Can I talk for a few moments to those people who constantly feel challenged to prove that we are, really are, who God has already confirmed that we are? Can I talk to y'all for a moment? Can I tell you and push you this morning to stop wasting your time proving what has already been established about yourself? Stop wasting your time proving that you are qualified. Stop wasting your time proving that you are worthy of respect. Stop wasting your time proving that you are worthy of love, worthy of opportunity. Stop wasting your time trying to prove that you are smart, that you belong in the position that you're in at work, that you belong in this station in your life. You sisters who preach the word of God, stop wasting your time proving that you are called, proving that you are anointed, proving that you are gifted by God. Stop wasting your time proving what has already been a established by God at 42 I've decided that I'm done proving that I'm gifted at doing what I do I am done proving that I am good at pastoring, that I am good at being a leader, that I am good at business, that I am an intellectual. And let me say that I want to prescribe the same thing to you. Stop wasting your time proving to people or even proving to yourself what has already been established and affirmed, but live in it and walk in it. Satan says, if you are the son of God, Throw yourself down or jump off of this temple, and God will cause his angels to rescue you according to the Psalms. Here, Jesus combats the nonsense of Satan with the word. He he, he effectively says to him, Here's my response to you. My, My response to your fake news is the true news that I heard in my other echo chamber. My, my echo chamber of the word of God, he claps back to him with it, and he quotes his own scripture, he claps back at him with the word, he says, thou shalt not put the Lord, that God, to the test. Let me say to you that if you are going to fight the fake news of Satan, you must enter into the echo chamber of the truth. siblings we got way too much technology to have any excuses for why we cannot find ourselves in the word the excuse is not that I can't understand it because all of the helps all of the commentaries all of the supports that folks used to have to have a whole library or access to a library to study you got it in the palm of your hand in your purse in your pocket with you all the time it comes down to the wheel It comes down to your personal will. And I want to push us as as an emerging generation or emerging generations, those of us who look back fondly on our praying grandmamas and our word-knowing grandmamas or our word-knowing granddaddies and fathers, let me push you that it is time for our generation to grow up, to buck up, and to decide that if that was important for us to have a generation of mature people who knew how to pray, who knew the word? That it's time for us to step up to be that new generation that is doing that very thing. You got to get into the word. Yes, get some word in you. The psalmist said that there is something about that word of God. The word is a lamp. He said unto my feet and a light unto my path. It is a lamp unto my feet. It it. It helps me with the short distance. It shows me where to go. It it helps me put one foot in front of the other. And some days, that's all that I need from God is for God to help me put one foot in front of the other. But then he is a light into my path. Not only does he help me in the short distance, but he helps me in the long run. He helps me see up ahead. He helps me see up the road. He helps show me the path and the way to go. Use the word. Not only Not only do we see Satan tempting, not only do we see him tempting through, um, through this issue of, of pride, if, if you really are who you say you are, then prove it. But we then see him doing it with power. It says in verse 5, and the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Let me say to you, my beloved siblings, that there is always a temptation to trade God godliness, and the kingdom or kingdom of God principles for power. Yeah. I think we have to be careful, many of us being from a people who were dispossessed, we have to be careful in our striving for the come up, in our striving to do better and to Have resources that can position us in in uh, ways that um, position us in ways that being just put it like I want to put it being black and poor cannot position us right. It is enough of a deficit simply to be a person of color in this country. But then you layer on top of that gender discrimination, and if you layer on top of that poverty, it is a very tough life to live. And so some of us find ourselves running the race, running the race, trying to be twice as fast so that we can get half of much, half as much. But a part of why we're running a race is because I can't go back there. I, I, I can't go back to no options. I can't go back to... Living where the air is not clean, I I can't go back to where it's a privilege just to have clean water. I, I can't go back there to mice and roaches in my house. And so we're running, we're working hard, we're trying to do all the things because I can't go back there. And generationally, my family cannot take a step back. I hear you. And that is the right and noble pursuit and in our pursuit we have to be careful about power and the temptations that come along with it that in all of our pursuits in all of our hustle and in all of our getting I ain't interested in getting it without God if God ain't there I don't want it if getting it requires me to not hold on to my godliness, this ain't for me. If getting some of the things that this world has to offer means that I have to compromise kingdom principles about cooperation, about social responsibility, about lifting up others as I lift up, then it is power for the sake of power, and it is not power according to the will of God. And so Satan tempts him that I can give you something that everybody wants. And what I can give you is power. He says, here's what it's going to cost you to get this this power. In order for you to get it, I'm going to need you to do something for me. I need you to bow down and worship me. What does Jesus do? What would you do? What did you do? What do you do? When faced with opportunities for power, where does your godliness go? Does your godliness kick in in moments of opportunities to grab power? Or do you set that church, religion, Christianity stuff here, silo that, segment that off, and this is my bag getting side, this is my power getting side, and we justify it because we say, oh, I can do so much more for God if I just have this. Let me say, if you wouldn't do it for God in order to get it, you won't do do for God with it. What do you do? What did Jesus do? He went back to the word. He he combated this temptation. He clapped back against this temptation, this testing with the word. He quotes Deuteronomy 6 and 13. He says, you should worship the Lord your God only. Let me say to y'all, you can't quote the word if you don't know the word. It is challenging to Live the word if you don't know the word. And, and I, I get it. City Point's a place where you can kind of get a good, like, plainly explained to you word. And, and that kind of feeding can make us content, complacent. We got to push ourselves for more. My job is not to give you all of it. You got to get it. You got to want it. And then you got to get it for yourself. Let me push this thing along. Not only only does the temptation come in the form of pride, and he claps back at the word, uh, claps back with the word for that. Not only does it come in the form of temptation for power, and Jesus pushes back against that with the truth of the word, but then thirdly, thirdly, it comes in the form of temptation toward preservation, toward preservation. The word says, if you are, this is jumping up to uh, verses three and four, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Jesus is fasting. It is this 40-day, 40-night fast. So part of this fast is, is, is not eating. And so a bit of what's going on with this temptation is Satan is tempting him to break this fast. It seems that that's what's going on, to break this fast and turn these stones into bread so that he could feed himself. He is pushing against this natural human desire for self-preservation. What does our body need? What, what, What do we need physically What are the things that we need emotionally to preserve ourselves? Here's what I think is very interesting here. We've been talking a lot about cooperative economics and cooperation in general and also talking about kingdom principles. Kingdom principles even. What does it look like to start to see ourselves as not just fellow people on a church roll, but it's more than that. It's a part of a deeper network of people who are Christians, who are kin, because of the commonality of the blood of Jesus Christ. So because of that, what does it look like then to care for each other different, to show up for each other different, differently, to love each other differently, to sacrifice for each other differently? And we have embraced that, and it is beautiful to have seen us embrace that as a church. Here is where I think the potential breakdown can come if we're not built up with the word, right? The potential breakdown can come when people decide I'm all good for the cooperation and the sacrifice stuff as long as I can take care of me first. Let me show you where Christianity is different. Let me show you what special about what we do in this faith. It is that willingness to be sacrificial, that willingness to be selfless, even when it means self-sacrifice. Yes, it pushes against these ideas of self-preservation first, these knee jerks that we can simply have because we are human beings, to always want to make sure we are good first. Sacrificial love, and I'm sure you guys know this, those of you that have really been loved before, you know that real love goes even deeper than that. Real love is not just about doing for you when everything for me is all right. Real love is even willing to put you in front of me. That's love. Those of you that are thinking about getting married, find you somebody like that. Find you somebody that you can put their needs in front of your needs. And find somebody who is willing to put your needs in front of their needs. When you find that person, you got somebody. If that ain't what you got, you ain't quite got real love. You got a transactional situation where I'm willing to do for you, you do for me, I'm willing to do only insofar as it still works out for me. I'm not willing to put all my chips in 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 front of the table into the table, to the middle of the table. Satan tempts Jesus on this point of preservation. Jesus says, No, I ain't going. And here's why I'm not going. He says, it is written, people shall not live by bread alone. Let me lift this text up and see if I can translate it outside of just the context of food. So in the context of food, people shall not live by bread alone. Stripping it out of that context, life is about more than just these things that preserve me. Life is about more than the house that I live in. Life is about more than the number of bedrooms I have in my house. Life, living is about more than the car that I drive. Living is about more than the balance of your bank account. Living is about more than your shoe collection in your closet. Living is about more than what college you can send your kids to. Living is even about more than what kind of education you can provide for your kids. Living is about more than the kinds of vacations you can go on. Living is about more than the organic food that you prefer to buy from Whole Foods. Living is about more than eating the best part of the chicken versus the lowest part of the chicken. Living is about more than all of those things if you are and consider yourself to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. And so if I embrace this mentality, I can live life with open hands, saying, for God I live and for God I die. And I'm afraid that some of us just want to be good church members but are not really ride or die for this Christianity kind of thing. But I want to push you to go out further and go out deeper and do what Peter said when he saw Jesus out there on the sea walking on water. He said, Lord, if that's really you, bid me to come forth. Uh, Invite me to come out there into the deep with you. And if you can muster up the faith, you, like Jesus, can walk on that water and go out into the deep where he is. Uh, Some of you are feeling that there has to be more. There is a deeper and better and further out place that I can go with God and go in my faith and go in my spirituality. But you are afraid of letting go. I want to push you to say those words that Peter said, Lord, bid me to come forth. Call me to that place that you want me to be in relationship with you and in relationship to the stuff that I have and want in life. Bid me to go out deeper. And let me say to you, as somebody that over 20 years ago said the words to God, send me and I'll go, that if you invite God, God will invite you. And on that journey, it comes along with some pain. It comes along with some sacrifice. But I want to say, like the old folks in the church where I grew up used to say, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. I wouldn't trade anything for the heartaches and for the disappointment and for the sacrifices that I have had to give to walk this walk and to go on this journey with God. I would not take nothing for my journey now. And I promise you that you will have the same sentiment. The First step is you got to get into the word. You got to do what Jesus did and, and surround yourself, place yourself in that echo chamber of the word of God. Combating the fake news, the lies, the temptations and the tactics of the enemy. Be willing to push back against those temptations on your pride for power, and for preservation. Let us pray the word of God for the people of God. Lord, we thank you for your word. I thank you for allowing me to preach to your people. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will um, just help us to apply this word into our hearts, help us to be better, help us to get into your word that is truly a light unto our path, a lamp unto our feet. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. You are here and you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Today is the perfect day to do it. You're simply acknowledging that on your best day, you just like me come up short and we are all in need of a Savior. If that's you, I invite you to follow follow the directions on the screen and a member of our team will follow up with you. If you are accepting Jesus Christ for the first time, Also, perhaps you have already been in the faith and you are just a Christian that is out doing church in the wild all by yourself. And you need a community to connect with, you know, something to be a part of. We would love for you to join a tribe called City Point. Uh, we would love to have you become a member of our church community. Members of our church are local to Chicago. Some are far, far, far. They're a thousand miles away from Chicago, thousand miles plus some away from Chicago, but they are family just the same. And we seek to be able to do powerful, impactful, relevant ministry um, in person as well as digitally. We would love to be a part for you to be a part of our family we would love to be a part um, of your life and so if that's you I invite you to follow the directions on the screen also if you're desiring membership or you're accepting Christ you can also go to our our website citypointcc.org under the membership tab and get that information there and then also if you desire prayer about anything please follow the directions on our screen and a member from our team will follow up Additionally, we have a powerful prayer team that meets together regularly to pray for the requests that have come through as well. All right, all right. With that, I want to uh, pivot into uh, into well, let's pray, and then I'll pivot into offering into uh, announcements. Lord, we thank you for though all that will come, all that you are calling into this wonderful salvation, into this wonderful family of believers. I pray, God, that you will continue to pierce, nudge their hearts um, until they submit to your will, whatever your will is for their lives. I also pray for those that are coming with prayer requests. I pray that you will meet them at the point of their need. In Jesus' name, amen.